She rallies, she organises, she draws. She may be armed, she leads. She fights for her life, she fights for the lives of her children, she fights for her community, with the intent to disrupt the public orders of white supremacy. Who is she? Well, she's a Black Panther. The Black Panther Party was a black power political organisation founded by Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale. Birthed in Oakland, California in 1966, a place known for its community and social justice organising. They were motivated to act against the lethal institutional state assault on the black community in the US. They practised militant self-defence and fought to establish revolutionary socialism through mass organising. They devoted much of their time to the community, picking up where the state had deliberately left off, with community-based programs for adults and children living in low-income black neighbourhoods, emphasising economic liberation, black pride, educational empowerment and adequate healthcare. In the 1960s and 70s, black women were restrained by the structural barriers of racism and patriarchy. Society had placed them outside of its protective bounds warranting healthcare access, fair housing and educational opportunities. At the time, the Black Panther Party was one of the most progressive social justice organisations around. It was one of the few organisations where women could support the movement for black liberation alongside their male peers. In a society that was violently misogynistic, racist and authoritarian, these women developed their own intersectional theory and practice around questions of race, sex and class that informed the party's approach. By the 1970s, over two-thirds of members were women, occupying various different positions and levels of leadership. These women were essential to the functions of the movement. Panther women were subject to illegitimate arrests, prison sentences and police violence. One method the Panthers used to reclaim the fundamental freedoms for black people was art. Black women produced newspapers and artwork that challenged the distorted public image of black womanhood and female revolutionaries. Decades later, there is a male-centred portrayal of the Panthers, which is an inaccurate misjustice. My promise this episode is to showcase how Black Panther women's efforts to liberate the black community produced new models of black womanhood during the Black Power era using art and methods of resistance. It will feature interviews from two academic experts, Dr. Ashley D. Farmer, a historian of black women's history. She is currently an assistant professor in the Department of History and African Diaspora Studies at the University of Texas, Austin. In addition to Dr. Mary Phillips, she is the assistant professor of African American Studies at Lehman College, City University of New York. She specializes in black power studies, black feminism, and the modern black freedom struggle. To specify, this is an episode of Celebration, a celebration of the female revolutionaries who shaped the black power era and empowered generations to come. For members, black pride was for life. Segment one, membership, gender dynamics and conflict. As disruptive as systematic racism is on the black psyche, membership of the Black Panther Party warranted a brave lifestyle of resistance. Members shared political ideologies for black freedom in socialism and black ownership. The organisation provided an environment where Panthers socialised, studied and even lived together. The party was run and supported by some of the most famous female revolutionaries in the world today, such as Estata Shakur, Elaine Brown, Kathleen Cleaver, Tarika Lewis and more. 
women like Elaine Brown placed women's issues such as reproductive rights and housing on the political agenda. Black Panther women came from all walks of life. Some were young, mothers, sisters, from all different professions. Their dedication and work held the party together with the intent to disrupt the structures of white dominance in society. So when I asked why she believed black women joined the Black Panther Party, Dr. Ashley D. Farmer shared, as they evolved, their politics became more expansive. They started talking about the relationship between class and race. They started thinking about feminism and eventually came out um, in favor of women's rights. They started talking about gay rights. They started talking about how, um, you know, what was happening here in America was connected to what was happening in Vietnam, what was happening in Africa, et cetera. Um, so I think that there's, there was the real on-the-ground work that they were doing, you know, providing food, um, shoes, education, right? that kind of very real material aid. Um, but I think they also liked that they had a real analysis of what was wrong with the world and how to fix it. I mean, so a lot of times we walk around as people of color, particularly black people, knowing something's not right, but for better or worse, kind of feeling gaslit, right, about that you don't understand what's going on. One of the things that the Panthers were very good at doing was helping people um, kind of understand and get the language to, to know what's going on and recognize it's not them, that they weren't crazy but that there was a concentrated effort to keep them down. So I think that attracts anybody. If you feel like somebody's understanding what you're going through, offering you language to talk about it and creating real solutions. Um, but they were at least willing to like talk about it, right? And grapple with it and put women in positions of power. And for many women looking for that kind of leadership, um, that was hard to come by in addition to all the stuff that the Panther was offering. So some, for some women, it felt like a good place to be. Not every woman, but some women. During the 1960s, 70s and 80s, patriarchy had a repressive hold over society. In the 1974 essay titled Eve, The Mother of All Living, Huey P. Newton argued that sexism and male chauvinism was futile and counter-revolutionary to the movement towards black liberation. Although a large majority of members were women, reports have indicated that the patriarchal environment of society had some sort of presence in the party. The experiences of women were fluid across the country, however, many women Panthers worked to challenge sexism and misogyny in society and threats of it within their own party. Mary Phillips described the gender dynamics of the Black Panther Party during the key period of 1966 to 1982 as... Yeah, so it varied. It varied. It depended on what year we're talking about. It depended on where you were located. It depended on the gender dynamics in the particular local chapter that we're talking about. So, you know, it wasn't static. It was fluid. It was flexible. It was ongoing, right? It was changing. You also had the women's rights movement, if we're talking about, you know, the 70s, right? And so a lot of the same um, conversations, a lot of the same issues that were prevalent during the women's rights movement were being talked about and was in the Black Panther Party. And so the women's rights movement had an impact um, on those conversations um, in the Black Panther Party as well. So if you look at the Panther newspaper and you tracking that from like 66 to 82, you're going to see fluidity and um, 
you know, a kind of what I call a progressiveness in the party newspaper, where women engaged in, in these conversations um, on a range of issues, right? If we're talking about, you know, politics, if we're talking about socialism, if we're talking about international um, coalition work, if we're talking about political prisoners, women are very vocal um, in the Panther newspaper. But you see a range of diversity when it comes to um, women's issues. Do you believe these gender dynamics challenge dominant narratives at the time about where women should be in political movements? Um, yeah, so here's what I think they did. I think that they let Black women be strong, right? There was nothing that said that Black women couldn't be leaders. It wasn't, they never let Black women not carry the guns as well, right? And kind of create that image of you belong protecting your community and you belong right alongside a man. That was not every group did not put forth those ideas. Um, and so I think in that sense, they challenged it both in like the actual kind of work that they did day to day, but also in that kind of, you know, iconography or like, you know, glorious Panther bravado. So one of the things that you start to see by like 1968, 1969 are women like Kathleen No Cleaver holding a gun in a miniskirt and smoking, right? But that's a really different brash image that black women weren't allowed to be in that particular moment. So from that standpoint, I do think they really did challenge it. Did, like I said, does, was everybody challenging it equally? Did everybody uphold it equally in their day-to-day -day lives? That's a different story, right? You have ideals or values and you have your actions. Um, and they created one place where Black women really were able to thrive in the movement, even in the midst of all the sexism. You had women that were writing in the Panther newspaper. You had women that were at the helm of major political movements within the work of the Black Panther Party, you know, about electoral politics. It was women, women like Phyllis Jackson, who were galvanizing the community to come out and vote, to, you know, increase the um, numbers of Black and Brown voters that were at the voting polls, you know, the, the the Panthers were the reason why um, the first black mayor was elected into office in Oakland, California. Segment two, art and beauty. Many women were writers, editors, and artists for the Black Panther Community News Service, a bold and radical newspaper distributed worldwide weekly, declaring the demands and remedies for black liberation. They visually captured and influenced how some women imagined their roles in the fight for freedom at the time. How did women in leadership positions address women's issues? Just being those positions, women like Elaine Brown, Kathleen and Cleaver, Erica Huggins, etc., um, played an important role just in being those kinds of leaders. But I would say that they, I mean, they're incredibly smart, brilliant people um, and political strategists. And one of the things that you really start to see, particularly as you move into like the 1970s with the group, is the ways in which they try to shine the light um, of the movement and the organization's attention on women-centered issues. So to give you just one example, um, as women start to take over the editorial control of the Black Panther newspaper, and we can argue even more so than the organization, the newspaper is its lasting legacy and reached far more people, right? It circulated everywhere, even if they didn't have a Panther chapter. Um, and you see them focusing on like um, mothers and welfare, right? Or spotlighting the work of Black feminist groups or asking and thinking about birth control and what it means for Black women to take the pill, which started in 1960, right? Um, so those are some of the ways in which they're still bringing kind of the Panthers politics and analysis about race, class, imperialism, but applying to the, to the lived experiences of Black women. 
And we see them do that all of the time, both in their speeches and the newspaper and the ways and the kind of causes that they choose to form coalitions with and promote. Um, and so, you know, I don't think there's ever a moment when these women didn't understand clearly that all the things that the Panthers are concerned about affect women differently. Um, and I think that they were advocates of women's rights and um, women's rights to be able to be free as possible and not have to wait our turn, even as they may have led amongst mostly men, right? Revolutionary art showcasing the power of women by artists like Emery Douglas and Gail Dixon. Their artwork and posters became compelling symbols of the movement as they were creatively critical of the political system, yet managed to convey the beauty and importance of black womanhood that was forming at the time. It served to make the Panthers' theory for emancipation accessible to all. Dr. Ashley D. Farmer shared. So at the same time, a burgeoning black arts movement. Sometimes they call the black arts movement the black power movement kind of sisters or corollaries. Um, and it's the same kind of idea, right? That that for too long, things like sculpture, painting, literature, plays, all of that has been white-centered and has done nothing but marginalize and degrade black people. So what would it look like to put black people at the center of that? So, um, you know, they, they, there was a lot of crossover. I don't want to give the sense that, you know, like there was politics on one side and art on another. A movement needs both. Um, but I'm just giving the Panther Party as an example of people that at least in terms of visual art did a very good job of combining those two. But there are plenty of folks that were writing wonderful poetry, writing plays, um, creating new forms of paintings, right? All of that that defied kind of the form conventions that we're used to um, and really let Black people kind of talk and be in their art in the way that we exist in the world. These women empowered the Black community to forego a new independent identity outside of the white-centered narrative that had been written for them, demonstrating Black women were beautiful, bold, and more, which was crucial for self-esteem. When I asked Mary Phillips of her modern-day interpretation of how artwork, poetry, and music was used to convey women's importance in the movement, she shared. I do have um, a piece um, of, of a favorite artwork, and I would say um, it's by Emory Douglas, and it is a image, um, a drawing of a survival nurse. And she is armed with all of the kind of um, tools that really engage the Panther community survival programs. For civilians with living memory of the work of the Panthers between 1966 to 1982, the survival programs were essential to the community repairing the Panthers did. Titled Survival because they aimed to combat the structural barriers that were harming the black community. Women were at the forefront of this, providing breakfast programs, schooling, healthcare and more. Their method of organised resistance was giving. Dr. Mary Phillips continued to share how the work of Panther women was showcased and communicated through the artistic tools they had at their disposal by describing the image of the survival nurse by Emery Douglas. For example, she has um, every everything that symbolizes one of the uh, Panther survival programs. So she might have a grocery bag that's full of food. She is a nurse, so she is very much, you know, talking about the health programs that the Panthers had. There is, um, you know, the Panthers have free busing to prisons um, where you were able to, they were busing the community to see their loved ones um, that were incarcerated. Um, you know, there was the free breakfast program. There was the free ambulance program for, you know, folks that live because the ambulance was not coming to certain um, zip codes. And so 
the free ambulance program was there to to kind of fulfill that need, what I call parallel institutions. And so she's armed. So it's, it's like all this symbolism around her that really addresses how the Panthers were caring for the community, providing basic resources, right, um, for the community. Um, and so that's one of my favorite images is the image of the survival nurse um, by Emory Douglas. In her text, The Taste of Power, Elaine Brown writes, Panther women were hard, in a way, soldiers, comrades, not pretty little things. Throughout history, society has presented the topics of femininity and resistance as mutually exclusive concepts, calling the femininity of revolutionary women into question. Do you believe the identity of black women revolutionaries brought their femininity and beauty into question? This was at the same time of the Black is Beautiful movement. This was during the Black Power movement. There was um, a Black pride, Black consciousness, a political consciousness. It, it really pushed forth this uh, forthright pride in being Black, you know, and being proud. As you are involved in community work, as you are, you know, whatever it is, right? If whatever that community program that you were situated in, as you're doing this work, right? Or, you know, if you were, because the Panthers didn't always wear the uniform, right? But if it was one of these moments where you were wearing this uniform, you know, your beauty was exuded, you know? I mean, it was, you were celebrated, you were proud, you know what I mean? And so, I don't, it didn't take away any beauty. Like, it was like, yes, we're here and we're beautiful and we are validating our humanity and we are celebrating ourselves and we are protecting our people and we are loving our people. And, you know, with that, there were these care practices that are embedded in the community programs. And so, you know, it was a source of pride you know, when we talk about beauty. Segment three, legacy. The legacy of activists can be a gift to those who consume and utilize it. In this episode, my promise was to touch on the surface of the work of these women, all the women involved, their importance to the movement and efforts to define womanhood. For these women, servitude to the Black Panther Party meant commitment to the social, economic, environmental emancipation of the people. In a nation built on the cross of white supremacy, much of this came with sacrifice, incarceration and struggle. What sort of legacy do you believe Panther women left behind? I would say one of the legacies that they left is a practice of care for the community and through that community mobilization, they give us a model of how to organize, right? They give us a model of how to do the kind of community programming. And I can't emphasize that not enough because that's the bread and butter of the Black Panther Party. That's the hard work of the Black Panther Party. And they give us a roadmap into organizing. Based on the legacy of Panther women, Dr. Ashley D. Farmer believes for Black women, power today means? Certainly it means to, to be able to pursue paths and do what I like without resistance. I don't know if that's necessarily power, but it certainly would feel empowering. 
In addition to conversations around legacy, Dr. Mary Phillips revealed. As well, the way in which they were such voracious readers. They were, they were studying global movements. They were studying political thinkers. They were studying global leaders, right? Um, they were really nurturing and serving the whole, and teaching the whole child, like addressing the needs of the whole child. Um, and so, you know, I would definitely say that's part of um, the legacy of, of Panther women. They were about caring for their community, you know, and radically loving their community. It's about allowing us our full humanity, about their everyday lives, right? And giving those choices and those choices not being stripped from them, their humanity not being stripped from them, you know? And so, yeah, that's what I would say. I think that sums up, for me, that sums up power.